The button has been pushed. Commencing podcast now. Make it stop. Shut up, ball. Welcome to Pop Tech Jam, the independent audio magazine about consumer technology, pop culture, sea shanties, and anything else we feel like talking about this week. I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosal. Welcome to our show. It's Hello, been a couple everybody. of weeks uh, since, yes. since we did one. It was a very meme kind of week. I would think, you know, the, the turn of the year brought a lot of political things happening. And then the internet always finds a way to let off steam. I got to be honest with you. It's been kind of weird, though, because these memes have stuck around yeah like the bernie meme is still going and, and and the sea shanties thing is still kicking and and so i'm sure all of our listeners out there are perfectly aware of these these two things uh, tiktok uh, revived the sea shanty <laughs> just by pulling i believe uh, a scottish mailman had been singing along to one that a british folk group had recorded in in 2018 and all of a sudden this catches fire and everyone's using the duet feature of TikTok to sing along and add harmonies and it becomes this He's become Im- so famous he quit his job. Now that is something and that so That is something. The power of TikTok. Yeah, so you've got all of these uh sea shanties getting revived on TikTok and then last week the infinite Bernie meme of the, that photo of Bernie Sanders at the inauguration and his old mittens and you know sitting in the folding chair. And all of a sudden, you, you're seeing Bernie just photoshopped into everything. And then at one point, the sea shanties and Bernie collided, and oh, I saw geez. a mashup of both. So, oh my gosh! So the internet was. And I think part of it is is just stir craziness, and of in the northern hemisphere, it's winter, and so people are cooped up. You know, this is eleventh month of pandemic. What's the term? What's the term? Shack wacky. Shack wacky. Yes. I got to tell you, that Bernie meme still makes me laugh because. He's not doing anything he wouldn't do. The man went to the inauguration in like grandma mittens. He was picking up his mail. <laughs> this is the thing that I love about the guy. You know, I'm not saying it's not a political thing, folks. Okay. Yeah, so he's, please you know, he's calm burning. down. He's got his schlumpy park he's, on. He's, he's just he's, rolling on into his inauguration. He's such a Brooklyn dude. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a schlumpy Brooklyn guy. He's got the big giant park. I mean, I know he's a senator from Vermont. I get it. But is it Vermont? It's Vermont, right? Yeah, it's Vermont. Yeah. yeah he went up there. He's an independent, though. He's, he's a Brooklyn guy. Yeah, yeah he's, he's Brooklyn. a Brooklyn guy. I mean, come on. You can tell from a mile away. He talks like somebody from Brooklyn. But he, was just, he picked up his mail. You know, there's no fancy suit. There's no fancy overcoat. Yeah, Bernie's got to get it done. You know, Bernie had stuff to do. Yeah, this inauguration was on the calendar. But. But just the way that he talked, and he even it. got into it. I mean, they, he was yes, doing he the did. Sunday talk shows where he said, oh, yeah, I took the photo and we put it on a sweatshirt and we were selling them. And then they gave all the money to like Meals on Wheels in Vermont. And so all Smart. of the money that they Smart. made from selling this sticky, fun little moment in time went to charity. So you got to give mad props for that. I see stuff like that doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me at all. It was fun. It was innocent. You know, there was a general exhaling Around that time when this happened. Yes, people were looking to get silly. Yes, people were looking to get silly. So sea shanties and Bernie yeah. filled the bill. Yeah. Did you know what else filled the bill for me? What else filled the bill for you? Star Trek. Did you get caught Star up on all the, the uh, seasons? I did. I watched third season of Discovery and the first season of Picard. Uh-huh. And I have thoughts. You have thoughts. I have thoughts. Uh, okay, uh, since season three just wrapped, uh, shall we start there? Since Picard's kind of a new topic for you, or okay, which so order, where order you would like to go in? Uh, let's talk Discovery. 
since you're right, it just finished. It just wrapped up. The thing about Discovery, and I don't know if you agree, but it was set up as being completely different from previous Star Trek endeavors, Star Trek shows. It was supposed to be a new grown-up version of Star Trek with cussing, maybe even side booby. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, stuff like that. Yeah, realistic modern adult Star Trek. Correct. And I bought it. The first season was fantastic. The second season blew my mind. So I started getting the sense that there was a shift in the third season. I'm like, wait a minute. It started feeling like Star Trek. I don't know if you Just know what like I mean. Just like traditional, you, you were getting the the traditional Star Trek vibe, like it wasn't the fresh new Correct. breakaway it, thing. It was an it was episodic. A lot of them were f- two parter episodes. They weren't bottle episodes, but they were like contained. There was an overarching storyline which I really wanted to hate, but then I ended up liking. But this was the most Star Trek season of the show. And it didn't bother me as much as I thought it would. I really liked it. I enjoyed it for what it was. It wasn't operatic like the first season. Mm -hmm. First season was just incredible. Let's be blunt. It was just, I mean, it was amazing to me. The second season was fan service. It was complete fan service, mm-hmm. but it still worked. The storyline, yeah, the Anson was, Mountain, the, the right young Spock, and all that. Yeah, yeah, it was it was epic in its way. And now they're in a totally new, like you know, spoiler alert, folks. Um, if you haven't watched it, you know, skip a, skip ahead a few minutes. But they're in a totally new time period. It's like nine hundred years ahead of where they were, and they revived the Federation, and it. It just felt like Enterprise or the the original show mm-hmm. or Voyager. And they kept mentioning Voyager a lot. Yeah, which makes me think there's going to be some type of crossover. Yes, I think um, so. Well, I thought this season, it pushed a lot of boundaries. It did sort of return back to that Star Trek, like this is the the noble people and the, and the yes. Federation's place and bringing order to the galaxy and all of that. They were also pushing a lot of boundaries just with the cast. They had uh, trans and non-binary characters on there, I think, for the first time in ever. Yes, but... They were exploring it, relationships in I new wanna, ways. I want to make a point about that. That kind of... It, it kind of fell flat for me, only because, seriously, they haven't dealt with this? This made... It made no sense to me. You know it what I mean? It was a little jarring. Well, I think the... It was... If there was any sort of clumsiness about it, I think it was because they were dealing with audience anticipation. Just when someone says, these are my pronouns. Gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's gotcha. the, having to catch up the audience with where the LGBTQIA Fair movement enough. is uh, these Fair days. Enough. But it was uh, just to see that representation on screen. And they had worked very hard. They worked with GLAAD, the Gay and Lesbian uh, Associations Against Defamation, which now does a lot of like media representation advising they worked with advisors there to make sure they were portraying the transgender and non-binary characters accurately and were going to put their foot in it by you know assuming tropes and stereotypes and things so so there was a sense of care about it uh, which you probably wouldn't have seen you know even 10 years ago with some oh, of the um, the storylines they're making efforts they really are they really are and the, and you know what o- overall i really enjoyed the season yeah, I mean, I, I the special enjoyed effects it. have gotten a lot better on that oh show too. Oh my gosh, David! I mean, they were always good, but this was like off the chart. These were like cinematic throughout the whole season. You know, sometimes with with a lot of these effects heavy shows, 
you can tell the episodes where they kind of cheated a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. just to set up the big episodes. Yeah. But this was consistent. They must spend an enormous amount of money. Although I did learn for this fourth season, they started doing what The Mandalorian does, which is using those giant video screens. Oh. To, to do the backdrops instead of doing green screen. Budget effects. It's funny. You would think it's budget effects, but it actually looks better. It yeah. looks more real. It's probably easier to process, too, because exactly. you're not having to drop something in. Exactly. I didn't really understand it when I saw behind-the-scenes stuff from The Mandalorian why they had those giant video screens in the back, but now I do, um, because it, it apparently it makes it so much more natural-looking. Um, but anyway, I really enjoyed it. I didn't think I was going to enjoy the season because it started looking like a regular season of Star Trek, but I found that kind of like, okay, I can deal with that. And we've got spinoffs galore coming. I mean, they wrote Michelle Yeoh out. So. Section 31. I'm looking forward to that show. That should be fun, especially since they sent her back in time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know what? I'm pleased with the Star Trek universe. And Picard. Just yes, briefly, Picard. Tell me about your to... thoughts on Picard. I enjoyed it because it wasn't really a Star Trek show. It was a detective show, basically. Yeah, it, was, it was very quiet. I mean, yes. they did have their action set pieces here and there, and, and he called in some favors from some old friends, but yes. it was really, I thought, a character study. It was. It was. It was really well done. I enjoyed it. You know, they brought back some old faves. Seven of Nine. I'm never going to have a problem with Seven of Nine. Mm-hmm. You're just fine with her coming back on the Absolutely. show. Absolutely. That's no problem. They used the Data character really well. They didn't overuse it. And I liked the way they gave the character a real, again, spoiler alert, folks, how they gave the character the ending I think he deserved, not what they did in the movies. The way they handled it on the show, I think, was perfect. It was really emotional, at least for me. I was blubbering like a fool. I don't know how they're going to get a second season, though. <laughs> Apparently they are. I have a feeling we might see some more old friends uh, coming back. for yeah, And, plus and that's, the, the, that's the part that's going to annoy me. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, okay, this week we've got Jordy. All right. But oh, yeah, you look at them, they're like 10-episode right, seasons. They come in, they basically, it's sort of a... A novel, you know, where it's not going to be like this long, giant, yes. epic thing. But yeah, I, I noticed that during the height of Picard, uh, when it first debuted last year, they were selling uh, Chateau Picard wine glasses and, <laughs> and all types of uh, miniculture uh, accessories uh, to play off his uh, uh, role on the show there. All right. So now, finally, I actually started watching. I watched the first episode of The Expanse. Okay. So, so I'm diving in. All I'm right. Yeah, You've got, you got several seasons to, to roll through. Yeah, I do. I do. It does whet the appetite if you want the hard, realistic science fiction that Battlestar Galactica, uh, the reboot, brought. Yes. I found this one to be very similar. It takes a little while to get used to all of the lingo, but I love the props on the show, the the, the clear phones and screens, and just the way they, they treat gravity realistically. Like yep. the, the, It sort of obeys all the laws of physics, yeah. In the first scene, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, this makes sense. And yeah, you know what? Your point about like like dark sci-fi, like, you know, realistic sci-fi. I just bought the the Ultra HD of Blade Runner Final Cut. Ah, now how and, many Blade Runners is this for you? Oh, please. This is like at least 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of them are the same that I have on the Blu-ray box set. Yeah. But, you know, it's like it's 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 in fancy Ultra HD. I got to get it. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like a, the law. Yeah, if if it's if it says Blade Runner and it's newly released, you must buy it. Yes. And I'm I'm not going to buy though. Star Wars again. Mm-hmm. They're not going to get me. So not going to get me. I assume me. we're talking original trilogy. Yeah, so original trilogy. I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. I'm not going to buy it again. And I'm yeah, certainly they, not going to buy the new movies mm-hmm. in Ultra HD. That's it. I'm yeah. done. Yeah, are, are they even selling the original theatrical 
no. Star Wars. Or it's it's got to be the Lucas cut with the, the pasted yeah, in stuff. I have the last thing, the, the I have the theatrical cut on a Blu-ray that I bought, but it was a DVD in a Blu-ray set that I bought like 10 years ago. It was sort of like a toss-in thing. It was literally like a second disc, like, you know, here's an add-on, here's the theatrical version. And that's the, that's the only version of it that I have on DVD. Anyway. All right. So you got so you've been watching some stuff. I what else is there to do? What yeah, that's true. <laughs> what else is there to do? Ten but hours I, of TV a day. You're yes, there. Yeah, I'm there. I am there. In fact, after we're done here, that's exactly what I'm gonna <laughs> it's do. Back to the expanse. Back to the expanse. Now was there any news or are we done? Is the show done? The, the, there was a bit of news. We, we, we did oh, okay. chitter on a bit about the, the TV. And hey, things, I could chitter on about TV all day long. Yeah, but, but I do have some news. And then uh, the, after the news, uh, we can talk a little bit about the parts of your smartphone camera that you never really pay attention oh, yes, to because yes, we're all yes, about yes. selfies and, and the quick video clips. But That's but, good. But, I like but, that. But let's we'll do some news here. News. Uh, just to say we did. Um, now, as you know, two of the major problems pressing the country these days are the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic and um, systemic racism, uh, both awful in their own ways. Uh, but two members of the big tech club are stepping up uh, to continue to help. First off, Alphabet slash Google. Is it Parler? Parler's one? Yeah, no, no, Parler. Parler's oh, okay, not really sorry. pitching in on this one. Uh, Alphabet uh, slash Google, uh, whatever we uh Alphabet, I guess, the parent company. Uh, Sundar Pichai has announced that the company is uh, putting up more than $150 million to promote education about the vaccine uh, because there's a lot of misinformation out there about it. That's a lot uh, of Robux. Yeah, so, so, th- so that's some bucks there. Uh, and uh, also going to improve even-handed distribution and access to the medicine across communities, too. So they really want to get the word out and also help with making sure that it's equitably distributed. The company will also work to make it easier to find locally relevant information, like where you can get a shot, I'm assuming through its Google Maps and search apps. If you uh, punch in there, where and when can I get a COVID shot, it should show you locally when you can. Uh, So they're going to try to really pump up the search products with that. And uh, they're also going to make some of Google's real estate properties available as vaccination clinics uh, because Google does own some turf. And so uh, they they could help out with just the space. I'd read somewhere, too, that like even the sports, uh, Yankee Stadium and City Field may be getting turned into vaccination sites here once we get more vaccine People are really gearing up. All we need now is is the dosage. Yes. So, uh, you know, eventually it'll all come together. So Google is going in deep. And they've, they've been really good with the, the COVID-19 stuff since it started adapting their Maps products to show people when restaurants would be open or closed or what services were available and where to get tests and things. So so both Google and Apple there ha- have been pitching in. But earlier this month, Apple put forth project plans for its $100 million racial equity and justice initiative commitment now and announced it thus last year during a lot of the unrest around the George Floyd killing and just the way that the country was in a state last summer. And so Apple realized that oh, we've got all the systemic racism and inequity, and so we're going to do something about it. So they announced that they had this initiative, and so now they're getting down to the projects that are included in it. And uh, these projects include venture capital funding for black and brown entrepreneurs. Uh, they're going to put an Apple Developer Academy, uh, I guess, in partnership with Michigan State University to provide coding and tech education for students. That's going to be uh, in Detroit. And uh, $25 million of those $100 million are going to the Propel Center, which is an innovation hub for the entire community of historically black colleges and universities. Uh, and Apple is going to provide curriculum, internships, and mentorship opportunities. 
uh, and a range of studies and educational tracks that are going to be available here, including AI, machine learning, agricultural technologies, social justice, entertainment arts, app development, augmented reality uh, design, uh, creative arts, and uh, entrepreneurship. So they are sinking some bucks into making the world a better place here. Uh, Hopefully this will all get distributed and people can take advantage of the new options. So that's uh, what's happening, uh, Google and Apple there. Twitter also is uh, making some news this week, too. You know, we can never not have a a Twitter uh, moment. Who do they knock off now? Well, uh, they're they're teaming up with various uh, TV networks. You know, I I don't know if they've deplatformed any major people this week, although there's always somebody. uh, (laughs) You know, you are a real diplomat. I like that. Deplatformed. Yes. I would say kick to the curb. Yes. You know, but deep platform. We'll go with that because that's yeah, classy. Yes. That's you classy. Know, it, and it sounds very clinical, too. Like It does. It does. You know, oh, he got deep platformed. Um, but yeah, the <laughs> – <Yeah>. the, uh, <laughs> The, the the Twitter is, is looking at business here, though, and they're teaming up with uh, NBC Universal, which is part of Comcast. And I think they've been sort of doing a little dance uh, with them since like 2013. Remember, we had like the NFL games where you could watch football on Twitter, which was sort of weird. But but they're yeah. sort of reinforcing this. Um, they announced a global content partnership with Comcast, NBC Universal. And uh, what they're going to do in this new multi-year deal is uh, focus on live events like award shows and sports ball games where people are already inclined to sit there and watch and tweet along, whether they're watching on TV. Here they could just watch it on Twitter directly, I guess, and, and comment in appropriate channels on what they're seeing. What could go wrong there? Wait, but, hold on uh, a second. Did you say inappropriate or inappropriate? Inappropriate. Oh, okay, uh, but gotcha, I think it, gotcha. it might it might actually – a little of both <laughs> yeah, uh, will probably so. happen, uh, so, yeah. given the fact that it's social media. So so Twitter and, and NBC uh, teaming up there on live events. Now, in other Twitter news, uh, the company has just announced Birdwatch, which is a community solution to wrestling down lies and disinformation on its platform. As explained in the official blog post on the Twitter site, uh, Birdwatch allows people to identify information in tweets they believe to be misleading and write notes that provide informative context, I guess they're calling it. It's not really what I would call a narking out of somebody, but there's some community policing, I guess, and uh, (laughs) a a watching of, you know, it's community watch, basically, for Twitter. It's community watch. Okay, that's fair enough. So we'll we'll see how that goes. I think they've been testing Birdwatch for a while, and it it is just sort of getting rolled out officially here. Yeah, but having dealt with community watches in the past, there's always that person who is overly enthusiastic about it. Yeah, yeah, you you, you get the real gung-ho. Yeah, Yeah. really. Maybe I'll be that person. Yes, you go marching through Twitter with your, you know. With your oh, Birdwatch yeah. badge. I'm going to have a Kaiser helmet, you know, mm-hmm. one of those pickle Gruber helmets. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Like, hey, that's yeah. not accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so uh, but, but we'll link to the, the blog post, which will explain Birdwatch uh, more fully than we have here uh, for those who are interested in uh, what this may portend for the bird-themed microblogging service. Now that the U.S. election is over, uh, Facebook said this week it will provide information to academic researchers on how political ads were targeted in the days before the November 3rd event. Social networks said the data would include targeting criteria such as location and interests selected by advertisers running social issue, electoral or political ads and other information. So if you are an academic or a researcher or an academic researcher, you can apply for access to this information through the Facebook Open Research and Transparency platform on February the first. The data included in the package would cover more than a million ads that ran between August the 3rd and November the 3rd. So 
you can see how ads were used in Facebook for political purposes and all of that stuff there if you are so inclined. And this is, again, through the Facebook Open Research and Transparency Platform, also known as FORT. <laughs> so, really? I said FORT, yes. FORT? Yes, that's what it is. Okay. called FORT. Fair enough. Um, uh, you knew now, I was going there. You knew I, I was knew going you. there. You anticipated expertly. In fact, I was going to meet you there. Um, but anyway. <laughs> okay, fair yes, enough. Yes, uh, but, but also slightly political here. Uh, in the wake of the Capitol riots earlier this month, Foreign Policy magazine is pointing out the need for a, quote, international data preservation laws that would require technology companies to create processes and protocols that make information accessible for journalists, civil society organizations, law enforcement, and researchers. It's like, oh, foreign policy throwing down here. Now, foreign policy continues. As platform companies delete an incredible amount of content while FBI calls on these companies to hold on to the information, it is clear that the absence of clear regulations benefits those who try to overthrow the U.S. government and serves authoritarians who use social media to misinform the public. The Internet is a crime scene in the specific sense that major platforms are used to connect, organize, and coordinate these events. So foreign policy is calling for some regulation here. And it's a very long essay, which we will post a link to if you want to read the whole thing. But it is bringing up to the point that there needs to be some way to preserve this. Oh, yeah. It's already been used as evidence, no I think, for because we talked about the parlor scrape on the last show. But but a lot of this is, is this contemporary data that's coming out that is impacting society. So uh, foreign policy feels we should figure out a way to uh, regulate and archive it. Moving on. In these new days of increased scrutiny on big tech and a a world more inclined to regulate businesses, Amazon and Alphabet uh, could be facing new pushes from their employees uh, wishing to unionize. The workplace safety record in several Amazon warehouses has been a uh, hot topic in uh, previous uh, incidents, and organized labor groups are hoping the new Biden administration will be supportive. You know, he said that he's very pro-labor, so we'll see what that means. Meanwhile, workers at Google have formed a coalition called Alpha Global that's compromised of 13 different unions representing workers in 10 countries, including the U.S., United Kingdom, and Switzerland. The Alphabet Workers Union here in the U.S. and Canada is affiliated with the Communications Workers of America, and while still a minority in the vast alphabet soup, meaning the majority of employees (laughs) do not belong to it. I I see what you did there. I see what you did there. The union grew from a a mere 230 members uh, to more than 700 within a week after it launched. So it's not a culture that is used to unionizing and having a unit there, but it sounds like they're, they're banding together. I'm a big union guy, so. You know, this is a group solidarity thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, uh, in gaming news, Microsoft, which was set to hike the price on its Xbox Live Gold service, uh, has now done a Uh, U-turn. Get out of here. Really? I didn't see this. Yes. Last week, the company announced a price increase that would have doubled the cost of the yearly subscription to like $120. Yeah. I actually posted on the show Twitter account that I was looking into going back to the PlayStation platform. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I get, maybe they heard you. Um, maybe. Because they did a little mea culpa on their site. Because that service is required. Like, if you want to play games online yes. on Xbox consoles, you have to have If you want to play free games. Yeah. But now Microsoft says the previous price stays. The company has also dropped uh, the subscription requirement on the free-to-play online games. So, current Xbox Live Gold members stay at their current price for the renewal. New and existing members can continue uh, to use Xbox Live Gold for the same price they're paying currently. And in the U.S., I guess that's, what, 10 bucks for one month or 25 bucks for three months or $40 for six months or $60 for a year. So 
So I guess Microsoft heard the outcry. Yeah, it was a dumb, dumb I mean, they literally doubled the price. Yeah, and then and in a pandemic? Yeah. Didn't make sense. Didn't make any sense at you know, all to I, me. I guess the, the cries of the Xbox faithful were heard. Yeah, there you go. So uh, we have a little Apple news here, too, in addition okay. to their uh, philanthropic efforts. One of the big perks of Apple's iPhone 12 uh, when they rolled it out was that MagSafe feature, yes. which was basically little magnetized accessories like chargers and wallets and doodads mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. slap on in the back of the device. I remember. However, there was a bit of concern for the MagSafe devices from people who have pacemakers or defibrillators or other implants in their body because of electromagnetic interference that has been known to cause problems with such uh, medical devices. Now, Apple acknowledged the issue last year when it rolled out the new fall product line, but it's now added new information to the support documents for uh, the MagSafe stuff. Okay. Uh, They say medical devices such as implanted pacemakers and defibrillators might contain sensors that respond to magnets and radios when in close contact. To avoid any potential interactions with the devices, keep your iPhone and MagSafe accessories at a safe distance away from your implanted device more than 6 inches, more than 12 inches of wirelessly charging, but consult your physician and your device manufacturer for specific guidelines, meaning the accessory maker. So they're basically saying, yeah, this is a problem. Keep it away from your things and consult the person who made your accessories. So wow, it's not a super strong warning, but they're saying, yeah, that there is a thing. And so they've actually added this to support documentation. That's pretty heavy. That's pretty fascinating. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that you, you wonder if they, when, when they were testing this, was there anybody who had an implanted medical device on the testing team who might have said, uh, yo, or if they, you know, just went on anyway, oh, it's not that big of a problem, just keep it, you know, two feet from your body. So so that's, that's on there now. Um, and finally. And finally. The seemingly endless pandemic isolation has given a boost to apps that let people connect with each other over the internet. Uh, We've seen this with Zoom and more video-centric applications. But one of the newer platforms, uh, which I believe debuted last fall, is called Clubhouse, which lets people drop in and chat with others in real time via voice uh, to share stories and collaborations, gossip, what have you may. While this seemingly just sounds like using the telephone or having a conference call, uh, users know that you can jump in and out of different chats on different subjects and it's sort of like a rolling, roaming podcast yeah, if you bop yeah. around. That's the idea, yeah. Yeah, or you can just listen in if, you, if you're shy and you don't have anything to say. I'm shy. I'm very shy. I, I've heard that about you. Um, now, the audio-based uh, social media platform is invitation-only at the moment. So, of course, it's a hot ticket. Lots of people want in, especially because uh, some of the Clubhouse chats are hosted by celebrities. So, so there's and the, plus it's the you know I I I'm not in there I must be in there I must be seen for missing out so people are banging on the door to get in, but Clubhouse seems to be getting some traction and it's also getting some money. They confirmed that they have raised new funding and they're working on plans to monetize the currently free service. So it's the endless story of the startup, but now we're sort of come back around to audio. It's like mm-hmm. well we had radio in the twenties and. And now it's just like more fancier radio and live talking. So, so here we are. Are, are you in, inclined? Are you in Clubhouse? No, I'm not in Clubhouse yet, but I'm certainly interested. It's, it's. I mean, I'm. I keep my finger on the pulse of all this stuff, and this is a fascinating endeavor. Mm-hmm. And I'm a. Uh, wow, that's the second time I've used a word endeavor on this show. I'm bringing the big words. Like, I know it's making me feel all spatially, like, like delicatessen and acclimate. Oh yeah, the big words. Yes, <laughs> multisyllabic. Yes, I'm definitely keeping an ear out for it. It, it seems like a very fascinating thing, but again, it, it can also be one of these like it fizzles out yeah. like right so, away. So we'll so. see. You know, 
Things come, things go. Yes, they do. That was a not-so-brief look at the news uh, (laughs) here this week. Uh, For anyone out there who would like to know more, you can find a page of links to all these original stories at poptechjam.com. Up next, let's talk smartphones. That was that was a nice little. Uh, Thank you. I'm trying something you know, new. Trying something nice new. little dismount off the vault there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. So, El Kaiser. Yes. You have a smartphone, correct? I have multiple. Yes, you. you as with tablets and headphones, you, you have multiple options there. Yeah, I've eased off the tablets, I got to admit. I've yeah, eased I off the tablets. Yeah, well, back in the tablet heyday, oh, yeah. that was something. But, oh, yeah. But uh, I was looking around because I realized, because I got a new phone, you know. Oh, oh you know, nice. And, and it's mainly for the camera stuff. And I realized I'm not really using all of the features they keep throwing into the camera. Like We always use the, fr- you know, the front camera for the selfies yep. and sometimes the wide angle just because it's a new thing. And just basic video clips, but there's all of these features that have been here for years that I just kind of either forgot about or ignored, like slow motion on the video or time lapse. I, you know what? I don't think I've ever used slow motion. I use panorama a lot, but not yeah, yeah. slow and, motion. And panorama is cool. And it is on Android, when you get you can do the whole 360, yep. is even cooler. And it's also a great way to keep the kids busy. It's like here, spin around and, and you know make me a 360. And, <laughs> You know, and then they get dizzy, but they do it, and then they've got this really cool look at their world. So, yeah, so Panorama is also one there that unless you remember it's there and or you have a scene that you really can't get into your regular viewfinder and you want to go wide, Panorama. But a lot of people, like, didn't realize that, that Google had the, the Photosphere, which I is did the 360 not. built I in. I didn't know. You really have to swipe through the menus to get it. I did not know, yeah. And so there's those, so there's those photo and video things, and then just what they're doing in the software with the assistants, like you can have the Google Assistant take the photo for you. Siri won't go that far, so call up the camera, and you tap the button, and Bixby can also summon apps, you know, on your Samsung device. So those, a lot of people, oh, yeah, I've got the assistant, but you don't really think about using it with apps a lot well, hold unless on you're a super nerdy. Slow down here. So you're saying that Bixby and Google Assistant can take a picture for me? Yeah, like if, if you have your Google Assistant all tuned up, because sometimes like you can't actually get to the shutter button for whatever reason. Yeah, you're, you're trying to frame the shot and you, but and so you can't quite get your finger on, on the button. Yeah, with the Google Assistant, if you just say, okay, Google, take a photo, a lot of times, and depending on what your permissions are, it will open up the camera app and then give you a countdown of like three seconds and then snap the photo for you. So you don't ah, even have to, to get your finger on the button. Nice. Siri will call up the camera, and you can also say, you know, Siri, open the camera in square mode or open the camera in panoramic mode. But I think it's Apple's privacy thing. Like, they won't take the picture directly for you just because it could possibly be used for— They don't want to be responsible for creep shots, and I understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't have a, a Samsung, but I know Bixby can do—it can at least get call up the camera. I don't know if it'll follow through with the photo. Oh, well, you know what? Guess what I'm going to play with. Yes, yes, because you own owner of a Samsung camera, so— the Siri Shortcuts app, which came out, I think, with iOS 12, will let you string together different actions. So if you regularly, say, send a photo of, of your kids or your pet to relatives and don't want to have to go through all those repetitive actions, you can actually write a script that says, you know, take an email a photo where you can have it open the camera, you snap the button, and then it automatically attaches that photo to an email addressed to somebody and you click it and off it goes. And so you've decreased your amount of taps. So, so those are some of the things I was playing around with. Google Assistant is a little less concerned with. <laughs> it's a little more invasive. Yeah, well, you know, or it just wants to be helpful, and and yes, sure. you know maybe this could Let's be used it. Let's improperly. Call it that. Let's call it that. 
<laughs> but it's but it's very like because it comes up you know how can I help uh, when you just when you say okay Google and you've got you know getting ready to frame a shot um, nice so so those are some of the things oh yeah this could actually be useful especially if I don't have to push the shutter button to to get that really awkwardly composed shot. So, so I was playing around with that. And then uh, to your point, the panoramas, because indoors, you know, maybe you're not really taking a lot of yeah, panoramas because yeah. you're indoors. But if you go out for a walk or you see like a really nice river scene, something that is too wide to fit in the viewfinder of your camera, switch to pano mode and just follow the instructions on screen because they show you the little arrows like move the phone this way. I love using them for vacation shots. Remember that? Vacations? Remember oh, vacations? Yeah, back in the day, yeah. yeah. Or you could actually leave the city you yeah. live in and, and go someplace. Absolutely. But both the Google camera and Apple's camera app for iOS have, have they've had the built-in panorama yes. mode, I yeah. think, for, for oh, yeah. quite a while. And I think the the Apple Pano won't do a full 360. It might be 180 or slightly more than that. But Google's got this photosphere thing, which they have built into a lot of that. That's how they do like the street view. You know, Google's all under the to the 360 uh, panorama. But you can do this with your phone and go into when you hit the more menu in Google Camera. Select Photosphere, and then it shows you what you have to do, and you have to follow this dot around until you make a complete circle, and then it stitches together the whole thing, and then you can spin around and and see where you are. It's actually really cool. And if iOS users are feeling left out, if you get the free Google Street View app, I believe you can do 360s uh, through that app, just not through the, the Apple camera app. So it is possible, but but then you say, oh, this is how they're doing when, when you look at a street view image on Google Maps and can spin around and see all the stores on the block and, and all of the stuff in the area. Oh, this is how they're doing it. It's a little more professional, and they've got the special Google street view cameras, but this is the same concept. So Same idea. Same idea. Yeah, and so, it's fun. So I amuse That's myself with that. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, and if you need to keep the kids busy, you know, Absolutely. here, you know, give me a 360 of every room in the house. Yeah, yep, there you go. Give them a project. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so I played with that, and then I, I sort of moved over to the to the video stuff, and and so then once I sort of amused myself with the panoramic and the photosphere stuff, then I went over to the video things and I reused, and I, I didn't really do a lot of time lapse because that that's the one where it speeds up the playback of events like mm. sunsets, sunrises, storms rolling in, those kind of dramatic things. But but they're they're very easy and they're built right into the camera software both on Android and iOS. Uh, but the one I did play around with was slow mo which I know they use a lot for sports and skateboarders love them for the tricks and all that. I was in the park and just happened to see a bunch of pigeons and a squirrel running around. It's New York. You see them. Yes. And so let me see what this is like in slow-mo. And it was really funny because the pigeons were all, they see you standing there, so they think you're going to feed them. And so they all come <laughs> flapping over and then the squirrels kind of get a hint. But to see them in slow motion, it's like these tiny dinosaurs where the pigeons are sort of <laughs> flapping over and they're looking at you. And then you see this squirrel that comes lumbering and, and all the squirrels in New York, uh, especially in the very popular parks, uh, are a little chunky. And so you just see these lumbering squirrels coming over and it, it does the thing in the slow motion where it also distorts the sound. And so you get that really weird wavy sound. I just photographed like 30 seconds of, of pigeons and a squirrel waiting for me to feed them in a park. And it was sort of like this horror movie, like, and then they could go Cujo on you. Rawr, rawr. But it was awesome. fun. It was like, oh, this could also be a fun thing, too, if you need to to kill some time or amuse yourself. Just film everyday activities or pets or whatever in slow motion and then, and then just go to town. The apps, too, have controls, you know, if you're rec- the recording speed and all of that, too, and, and the frames per second. So they're pretty sophisticated compared to where 
smartphones were you know, even five years ago. Yeah, but there's that one last one that you haven't mentioned yet, that one last feature, which I actually really dig. Yeah, no, and, and I had known about it and hadn't really played with it either. A Google Lens. Google uh, Lens, yeah. Which is uh, Google's augmented reality software that's powered by artificial intelligence. It has all the scary things that we get nervous about, image recognition and artificial intelligence. Nice. But the way they've incorporated it into Google Lens is really helpful. And yes, it's probably recording everything that you're pointing your camera at to see what you're into. But what Google Lens is, it's, it's this app and you can find it in multiple places. It's in the Google Camera app itself. It's also part of Google Photos. And there's a standalone Google Lens app for Android. Now, if you've got iOS, uh, you can find it again in Google Photos or the standalone Google app that you can get for iOS. Samsung's got a Bixby Vision app for its phones. It's the Google Lens app on Android, but the Google app on iOS, right? Yeah, and and the iOS Google app is all of Google's like the assistants built into there yes. and the yeah, new yeah. stories and things you want to watch. So it's sort of your omnibus Google products app. But yeah, Google Lens itself has its own Android component. So yeah, that's what I use. I mess around with that. It's fun. And and so I was looking at it and it has all these these things where it can translate foreign languages for you. I was pointing it at signs in different languages and it was actually doing pretty accurate translations. I put my camera on a, um, a book of poetry that was in Latin and pressed the Google Lens button. And it, and it did a, f- a pretty fair translation. It's weird because it does this augmented reality overlay, and so it comes up in a different font. But you can get the gist of what the text is, and it's, and it's useful for, for street signs or things that aren't particularly a complex language. It's great if you're trying to identify a landmark. You can point the camera at it and have Google Lens identify. I was looking at statues in one of the parks and said, well, what's the name of this one? And it would pull up the Wikipedia entry for this That's particular useful. statue. That's very useful. People are using it if they're walking by and they see a pair of shoes that someone's got. You can sometimes get identifications on products uh, <laughs> to know where to buy them. Leave my shoes alone, people. Yes. yes. That's invasive. Stop staring up. But people will also use it to identify plants and animals. Um, right. That's fair enough. I'll leave my shoes alone. Yes, yes, yes. You, you cannot possess my beautiful footwear. Absolutely not. Google is basically turning your camera into this big eyeball and then going back to the internet and getting information on everything that the camera's looking at. So, but the foreign language stuff was funny. You can pick different languages to have things translated. It's not quite the universal translator that we they may see from Star Trek or other uh, popular science fiction properties. But it's a start, and it can kind of get you a little going. And and they've been building into Google Lens, too, because I know a lot of kids are working from home, and so they're yes. trying to make it easier if the kid points the phone camera at a math problem or some piece of homework, uh, they can get supplementary information on the thing that they're working through. Oh, don't tell me they can cheat with it. Now I got to check it's, my daughter's phone. I think it's, it's more of a supplement of, you know, mm. here's some background information. But. Supplement means cheap. In well, <laughs> you know, it's adjacent in my information. World. In um, my world. <laughs> yes, but... Uh, you got yes, me so, cracking up here, J.D. So, sorry about that, sorry. But but yes, so so I just ha- had this uh, this time, and because we all got a little more time lately, and it's like, let's just look at the parts of the camera and things on the phone that I'm not really using, because we're all really good with taking the square shot for the gram and yeah, the basic stuff, but you forget about these features that have been around for a while and just are off. And sometimes they're also on a menu that's not immediately visible, so the fact that you have to tap down a layer or swipe to see it, it also makes it be less in the forefront of our minds as well. That's a good point. It's a so, very good point. Uh, yeah, so this was just something, oh, we got the time and, and let's see what we can do here. But, yeah, right, listen. But in the meantime, um, uh, there will be a link to uh, the, this uh, 
page of tips here uh, on our show page as well, which, which would be where at? I think I'm pretty sure, almost positive, kind of certain that it's at PropTechJam.com. Excellent. Uh, and with that, we should probably wrap up because we have been chittering on for, for yes, we have. we've over-chittered this we've, week. We've uh, over-chittered. I hate that. Yes. Uh, you got to get a shot for that, don't you? But, you know, we, we, we haven't done one of these in a couple of weeks. And, yeah, and you know, we and had some fun. things to catch up on. And yes. you watched all the Star Treks. I did. I watched all the Star Treks just for you. Just for you, the listening public. No, it was for me because I'm a lazy bum. So, but no, you you were consuming. It was work. It was work. Yeah. <laughs> We got to thank the bros. Yes, we must thank the bros. Thank you, bros. Thank you, bros. Builtbybros.com if you think that they will build it. And thank you, listeners, uh, all of you out there. We hope you are continuing to um, maintain sanity here in the uh, the Q zone. Yeah, clearly I'm not. You just need another Star Trek property I just to watch. I just None of this. What is it? Below decks? That doesn't Yeah, yeah count. you don't like that one. Yeah, that no, was no. horrible. Keep going with the expanse. It. Yes. The, the expanse, expanse is fun. Definitely. I like yeah. the first episode. So it's going to make you want a loose sight mobile phone. There you go. Um, so, so until next time, when we're back with more, I'm JD Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. <laughs>